The following program is being brought to you on the 7th Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit 7thWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Conscious Evolution Radio with your host, Ann Gelsheimer. We are entering higher levels of consciousness with both old and new spiritual technologies to help us be the people we've always dreamed of being. We can make the choice to evolve in consciousness and become the change the world needs today. Now, here is Ann Gelsheimer. Hello, and welcome to Conscious Evolution Radio. I'm your host, Ann Gelsheimer. And I want to thank those of you who have written to me to express your appreciation for this program and also to those of you who have said you were interested in being a guest on the program. This program has been my own creation and it's been a delight to plan and to work with my wonderful guests. The one piece of feedback I keep receiving from listeners is the request that I share more of my own ideas and research. So I'm going to do that from time to time, starting with this episode. Today I'd like to share some ideas about spirituality. What is it? What does it have to do with religion? I've been asked to give a talk on this, uh, and I actually did so in Toronto last month, and people seem to find it interesting and helpful. So in this episode, I'm going to try and share some of the content that I covered in that talk. Just as a bit of background, some of you may know that my professional training includes both graduate studies in psychology and graduate studies in spirituality and theology. And I also trained at the New Seminary in New York and received a license there to practice interfaith ministry. Now some of you may not be familiar with the term interfaith ministry, But what that involves is having an awareness of the teachings of many different religious traditions, as well as an understanding of spirituality, and being able to provide spiritual support to people no matter what their spiritual or religious path may be. For 14 years, I was privileged to lead a weekly drop-in body-mind-spirit support program for persons with cancer and their caregivers. And this group was a wonderful collection of people of various faith traditions, as well as people who were interested in spirituality and its connection to healing and well-being. Over time, we formed a, a caring spiritual community that welcomed anyone who was interested in learning more about various topics related to spirituality and, and wellness or well-being. And these wonderful people were my teachers and inspiration as I continued to research who are we in our spiritual nature and what our path through sometimes difficult experiences like cancer or other experiences, what, these, what our path can teach us while we're in physical form. Now for this particular episode, I'm going to talk about my own perspective on spirituality I jokingly call it my own quirky little talk on spirituality because it is a little bit unique, but I hope you'll enjoy it. 
there are actually many different perspectives on spirituality. Some say that spirituality and religion are the same thing. Some critique spirituality by saying it's simply the pursuit of what makes a person feel good. And others say that spirituality is an important part of life. For example, right alongside with career, family, hobbies, spirituality. But what I've come to believe is something quite different. There's a wonderful quote by Pierre Teilhard de Jardin. And he said, We are not human beings having a spiritual experience. We are spiritual beings having a human experience. Now just think about that for a minute. We are spiritual beings having a human experience. If spiritual is what we are in our essence, and we're only temporarily having a human experience, then spirituality can be understood as the path or the journey in life to discover who and what we truly are and what our relationship is to everything else. From this perspective, spirituality is the journey home. So what is the evidence that our nature is fundamentally spiritual and we are having a temporarily physical experience? Well, we can look to our own religious traditions. Based on the experience of their spiritual founders, most of the world's religions teach that we're spiritual beings who will live on as spiritual beings after our physical bodies die. This is true in Christianity, in Islam, Judaism, or certain forms of Judaism, Buddhism, Hinduism, etc. Okay, that's religion, but even some people within science are saying the same thing. So, for instance, from the uh, area of quantum physics, I found some very interesting theorists, physicist theorists, who say similar things. For instance, Max Planck, who was the theoretical physicist who originated quantum theory, which won him the Nobel Prize in Physics in 1918, he is known for saying, I regard consciousness as fundamental. I regard matter as derivative from consciousness. We cannot get behind consciousness. Everything we talk about, everything that we regard as existing, postulates consciousness. And when I hear that quote, I can't help but think of consciousness as the sort of the, the spiritual essence of who we are. And from there, everything flows. All the physical matter that's created comes forth from this essential being, this essential consciousness. Now, here's another quote from Erwin Schrodinger, also a physicist. He said, You are a part, a piece of an eternal, infinite being, an aspect or modification of it. This life of yours, which you're living, is not merely a piece of this entire existence, but in a certain sense, the whole. Multiplicity is only apparent. In truth, there is only one mind. Now again, here we come back to consciousness, we come back to mind as being the fundamental source of everything else, or the, the fundamental essence of everything else. And he goes so far as to say is that there's only one mind. 
which I actually love because when you start doing meditation, that starts to be the experience of being part of one consciousness or one awareness that pervades absolutely everything else. And this is the path of the Christian mystic. This is the path of mystics from the East. They often came to that awareness that they were merely an expression of the one, of one wholeness. Now, as further evidence that we're more than just our physical being and our five senses, it's interesting to take a look at the U.S. Army Intelligence Program, Stargate. So Stargate was actually a remote viewing program. It was teaching people who had some natural aptitude, although apparently we all have some natural aptitude in this, but some are are more gifted than others, but actually teaching people to project their consciousness to any part of the world, even beyond this physical world, to other parts of the galaxy, including the moon, what was going on on the moon, and even uh, throughout different parts of time, looking into the future, looking into the past. Very interesting. And this was, this was a government-funded initiative, and there are people who have come forward who said that they were part of these projects and who are actually now teaching uh, how to do this, this technique of remote viewing. Now, I've trained with uh, Dr. Stephen Greer, who... Uh, is certainly known for teaching remote viewing. I'm not saying he was in the Stargate project, but he's known for teaching techniques of remote viewing that have been very successful. Uh, People have had amazing successes with it. But other people teach the same thing or something similar. So David Morehouse is very famous for teaching remote viewing. Joe McGonigal, I hope I'm saying that name right, Joe Joe McMonigal, he teaches um, at the Monroe Institute uh, how to do the remote viewing. Now, for those of you who aren't familiar with the Monroe Institute, that is a place down in Virginia where they teach people to have out-of-body experiences, do remote viewing, and some of the some of the techniques that they teach are very advanced in terms of um, looking out into the universe and even connecting with uh, non non-human forms of life, ETs, etc. That may sound really far out, but you know what? The U.S. government in the intelligence community, we're doing the exact same thing. And I know people who were actually uh, trained by people who were in those programs who've told me that they were doing those kinds of experiments. Now, an interesting example of that would be Ingo Swan. He was, um, he's passed away now, but he is known as one of the most talented remote viewers and psychics that worked for the black projects uh, within the intelligence sphere of the U.S. Army or U.S. military. And Ingo Swan has written about some of his experiences, particularly taking a look at what was going on on the moon. And according to Ingo Swan, uh, we're, we're not the only ones who've landed on the moon as human beings, that there are other forms of life, other intelligent beings who are on the moon, extraterrestrial life. And this is something that is obviously highly controversial, but his, he was well known for his ability, very, very well respected. And in fact, if his, his own accounts are true, he was, uh, 
periodically picked up and taken by um, sort of uh, cells within the black ops projects to uh, undisclosed locations and asked to tell them what he could see going on on the moon some decades ago. This is very famous, and you can read some of his books. Uh, take a look under the name Ingo Swan. They're still available. But some of the most persuasive uh, accounts for me are from people who've had near-death experiences uh, or perhaps been in a coma or had out-of-body experiences. And these experiences have convinced them that they are so much more than their physical bodies. And one of the hallmarks, uh, sort of after effects of a near-death experience, is for the person to no longer fear death, because they've had a taste of literally leaving their body through often a traumatic event, although not always, leaving their body and going into the realms of light and experiencing the bliss and experiencing themselves as a much greater being of love and realizing that this is a wonderful place to be. And so coming back into the physical body sometimes is not very desirable, although they may choose to do that because they realize that their purpose for, for being alive in a physical body is not yet complete. So they, they will come back. And so persons who have clinically died or been in a coma often have reported experiences that actually could be validated. And this is very interesting when you hear about near-death experiences, uh, we'll often hear, um, sometimes it's doctors and other people, reduce that down to, well, the brain was just in a state of distress, it was firing randomly, it was releasing chemicals that produced hallucinatory experiences, uh, but these aren't real experiences that the, the person is having. But in my reading, I found some very interesting accounts, sometimes by doctors who witnessed this, and sometimes by patients who have had their medical records verified, who can actually show that what they experienced uh, as after they left their body um, was legitimate, was, at, was an actual experience that other people could uh, validate. So one story that really stuck in my mind that I read some years ago was of this woman who had been blind, uh, visually blind throughout her entire life. And she was having an operation late in life. And I guess she coded on the table. So she appeared to die on the table. The medical team was rushing to try and save her life while she was uh, in the middle of surgery. And she recalled after, they did save her life, she did recall after she had uh, apparently flatlined on the table, she re recalls lifting up out of her body and from a position close to the ceiling looking down and now she could see something she'd never been able to see in her entire life. She could see and hear what the medical personnel were doing uh, trying to save her life. And one very small uh, detail actually let, proved to be very important because it validated her story. She saw that uh, one of the doctors present in his uh, haste to try and save her life 
uh, dropped a pen. I guess there would have been a pen in his pocket or something. And it was a beautiful gold pen, not a pen you'd want to lose. And it rolled out away from the uh, area of the table and rolled under one of the radiation units, sort, of, uh, sort of heat units on the, on the side of the room, radiators. She saw where it landed uh, and now when she came back into her body, when they successfully uh, resuscitated her, and she gave the account of what she saw and what she heard, of course, everybody was a little bit amazed uh, when she, you know, came out of her, uh, came out of the anesthetic and out of surgery. But the convincing part was when she told the doctor where he could find his gold pen. And sure enough, he went back and he looked and he found his gold pen exactly where she said it it would be under the radiator. Now, this is not something that she could have done physically. As I mentioned, she's visually impaired. Um, so this was completely anomalous. There's no way you could explain this other than her consciousness really was outside her body and viewing this during this uh, medical crisis. Now, other experiences uh, that people report uh, can be are very similar. Sometimes they're not validated. But it's not unusual, for instance, for children to report that they left their bodies and then came back in. I remember when I was a little girl, I remember when I'd have a nap, sometimes I would be aware of my consciousness lifting up out of my body, and I'd look down and I'd see my body there, and then I'd go back down into my body. Now, I can't validate that. I don't know, you know, I don't have any external proof that that happened. But I do remember... Um, as an adult, there were certain people that I was quite close to and was concerned about. Uh, one of them lived in Switzerland, and she'd just been through a real emotional trauma. And she was very much on my mind as I went to bed one night, as I went to sleep. Well, when I woke up the next morning, I got an email from her. And she said that she had... Uh, when she had been sleeping at one point in the night, and I guess our sleeping times had corresponded for a few hours, even though there was a time difference because I live in Canada. But when she had been sleeping, she woke up and she said she saw me standing in the doorway of her room, just taking a look at her to make sure she was okay. And she said she could feel my concern and my love for her. And it was very comforting, very soothing. And she just went back to sleep. Now, I have no recollection of actually being there, but I know she was on my mind, and I have no reason to doubt what she said, and I didn't tell her I was thinking about her before sleep, but I found that very interesting that she had this experience of my presence, at least in probably in my astral form, checking in on her and making sure that she was actually okay. Now, I'm, we're going to take a short break, and when I come back, we're going to talk about um, another, a couple more experiencers, people who've had near-death experiences that haven't actually been on my show or on this program, but have had important information to share. So this is Ann Gelsheimer with Conscious Evolution Radio, and we will be right back. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests 
new shows, and your favorites. That's Voice America TRN. When you learn to see things from a spiritual perspective, it changes the way you see virtually everything in your life. Listen for Dr. Paula Joyce and her program, Uplift Your Life, Nourishment of the Spirit. Our program will help you get rid of the negative aspects of your life and invite love, joy, and prosperity into your life. Turn that negative feeling into a positive one. Tune in to Uplift Your Life, Nourishment of the Spirit, every Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Inside Out is the voice of the inner revolution. Join host Beth Green and co-host James Maynard for a weekly program empowering humanity to change. We heal traumas getting in our way, see ourselves more clearly, overthrow stale and destructive personal and social traditions, explore a new liberating spirituality, meet guests who are challenging old ways, and join up with others who are changing themselves and our world. Listen for Inside Out. Live every Tuesday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. You are tuned in to Conscious Evolution Radio, and we love to hear from you. Please send any questions or comments about the show via email to Conscious Evolution Radio at gmail.com. Again, that's Conscious Evolution Radio at gmail.com. Now, back to this week's program. Hello, and welcome back to Conscious Evolution Radio. So, today, what we're talking about is spirituality. And what is it? And I, in the first segment of the show, I suggested that spirituality is our essence. It's what we are. And what we're doing as human beings right now is we are having a temporary physical experience. So we come from spirit, we come into physical form, we have interesting and sometimes challenging experiences, and then we leave and we return to what we are in our essence and really what we've never stopped being, which is spiritual beings. Now, I'm looking at evidence right now, just, and I'm sharing with you some of the things that have impacted my belief system. Why, why do I think that? Why do I believe that? So I shared a little bit uh, earlier uh, regarding my own experiences of, as a child of you know, leaving my body and um, also uh, traveling as an adult and checking in on uh, a friend of mine in Switzerland. I want to share now uh, somebody else his experiences that shaped his view. This person was a neurosurgeon. His name is Dr. Eben Alexander, and many of you may be uh, aware of him. And he had a devastating illness at one point uh, that completely changed his point of view on reality and who we are as human beings. So prior to the illness, he was a neurosurgeon who believed that the soul was a product, product of brain chemistry and so the logical conclusion from that is when brain chemistry ceases at death, so with the soul. But when he had a very nasty case of uh, viral meningitis, I believe it was, uh, that put him in a coma very quickly, and he was in a coma for a period of time, 
he actually experienced himself journeying in, in consciousness beyond this world where he encountered an angelic being who, who guided him into the deepest realms of superphysical experience. And he also experienced meeting and speaking with the divine source of the universe itself. Now, can you imagine, for someone who didn't believe that there was life after death, or that we were anything more than the, the uh, physical and uh, biochemical products of organic life, to suddenly leave his, have the experience of not being in his body, having this expanded consciousness, and very profound experiences far beyond what, uh, what we normally have in the physical body. He wrote a book called The Map of Heaven, where he explores humankind's spiritual history and the birth of modern science in the 17th century, showing how we forget who we actually are and are now at last remembering who we really are as spiritual beings and what our true destiny is. So for him to be able to write this book, it's a product of this transformative experience he had while he was in a coma. And he's now a very powerful speaker about our essence as spiritual beings, as really very powerful spiritual beings who are having a temporary physical experience. Now, some of you have uh, listened to my show with Daniel Brinkley, but uh, and if you haven't, I highly recommend it. He's so entertaining, and what he shares is very profound. But he also had uh, incredible experiences after he was struck by lightning. His body clinically died. There's, there's no question about it. There are medical documentation. He was actually sent down to the morgue. Uh, that's, he had been out of his body, I think, at that point, 20, 26 minutes, something like that. And he had incredible experiences uh, before he came back into the body and uh, had to uh, try to get somebody's attention because he was now in a body bag. His his physical body had been packaged up and ready to be dispatched. And so he was in the morgue and he started uh, breathing heavily to make the, the, the body bag rise and fall above his face with the breath to catch somebody's attention because he couldn't move after the injuries he sustained as uh, having uh, been struck by lightning. Anyways, his fascinating story, you can listen to it, uh, just check the archives on this episode, and he also describes it in many interviews on YouTube. Another very interesting person who shares her story after uh, physically leaving her body uh, is Anita Morjani. And Anita Morjani had uh, end-stage cancer. She'd had cancer for a number of years. She was in the palliative stage, her par- her quite late actually in the in the palliative palliative stage. Um, and she was had been hospitalized. Her family had been told to uh, basically say their goodbyes because she was very close to death. She slipped into a coma. And at this point, I'm just going to quote from her own words here. She said, she saw and heard the conversations between her husband and the doctors that were taking place outside of her hospital room about 40 feet down the hallway. Now, she remembered these conversations when she came back into her body and was able to repeat them. And this is one way that she validated her experiences because they were accurate. The doctors and her family recalled having those specific conversations. 
Now, when she was in that coma state, she recalled at some point actually crossing over to another dimension where she was engulfed in what she described as a total feeling of love. And Anita said, the amount of love I felt was overwhelming. And from this perspective, I knew how powerful I am. And I saw the amazing possibilities that we as humans are capable of achieving during a physical life. Now, this is a consistent message from so many people who've had near-death experiences. Uh, Daniel Brinkley had the same experience. He describes us as great and powerful, mighty beings, spiritually speaking, who are having physical experiences. Anita had this. Um, I've talked to Dr. Stephen Greer, who had a near-death experience when he was 17. And this was his experience, too, of this expanded consciousness and then coming back into physical form. So there are many people who have had near-death experiences or coma experience or sometimes meditation experiences, like those people who have trained at the um, Monroe Institute down in Virginia to actually leave their body and have expanded states of consciousness. But there are other ways we can experience ourselves as being more than the physical body that we see ourselves as right now. I, again, would like to share one of my own transformative experiences that happened some decades ago. And I share it because I know there will be people listening to this who can relate, who've had a similar experience. And um, this is nice to hear somebody else's. It can be very validating. So I'll, I'll share my own experience. But it totally changed my own view on death, uh, which at that point I thought was just horrible. I, I couldn't believe that beings like human beings who are so wonderful, so beautiful, could actually pass out of existence. This seemed like a great tragedy to me and uh, very abhorrent in the natural scheme. And I, I just couldn't understand the mystery of that. But what I'm going to describe right now, uh, the experience, ap- absolutely changed my perspective on death and really did alleviate my fear around death and my fear around losing those that I loved. It's a little bit unusual, but what I experienced was a a profound connection with an author, a writer, who had passed away in 1968, Um, but I connected with his spirit uh, through his writings, and I'll I'll tell you why I think that, uh, because a very interesting thing happened that I was actually able to validate. So the author that I'm talking about here is Thomas Merton. Some of you may be fans of his, as I was and am. For, he's just a profound writer. Thomas Merton was born in France and came to America. He eventually joined the Cistercian monastic order. It's a Catholic monastic order, very strict. And it's uh, the monastery where he was located is in Kentucky, just outside of Louisville. And Thomas Merton lived a cloistered life uh, from the time he entered the monastery pretty much to the very end of his days, which was... Uh, in 1968. And I say pretty much because he did travel slightly towards the end of his life. And one of the big trips that he made was over to Asia, uh, where he actually died. He died in Bangkok, in Thailand, in 1968. But uh, most of his life was spent cloistered, um, very little contact directly with the outside world. But he was a 
a prolific corresponder with the religious and philosophical thinkers around the world, a very influential people of his time. He was in touch with Martin Luther King, Boris Pasternak. He met the Dalai Lama. He was far, far ahead of him of his time in his openness to listening to people of other religious traditions and having dialogue. And uh, he also had dialogue with musicians and poets and people all over the world. Anyways, I found him fascinating, uh, a fascinating man and a real spiritual mentor. And so I had been reading everything I could find on him, all his books. And, and at that time, this we're, we're looking now back in the uh, 1980s when I was doing my undergrad uh, work and at U- University of Toronto. And I used to go to the, Ro- the Robarts Library, which was the, one of the main, main academic libraries. And up to uh, the ninth and the 11th floors where Thomas Merton books were. And I had pretty much read everything that, there, that he had written and anybody had written about him at that time including his journals, and uh, some of his journals had been published. Uh, So I had a pretty good knowledge of the man and uh, found him very inspirational. But what happened is one night I had a dream of Thomas Merton coming to visit me, and it was a very brief dream. In it, he uh, knocked on the door where I was staying, and when I answered it, there was Thomas Merton standing there, and he explained to me, there's a new book written about me, about my life, And in that book, there's material that was previously censored by my order. And that's all he said. And that was the end of the dream. I woke up and I thought, how strange. I had no idea that his order, his religious order, the Cistercians, had censored anything. I was a little naive. I didn't know. (laughs) And, uh, And certainly, I didn't know of any new book that was coming out. So I dismissed this dream. I thought, no, this can't be true. But it played in the back of my mind. So after about a week, I finally went back up to Robarts, up to the floor where the Thomas Merton books were, and looked in. Sure enough, there was a brand new book that had just been released and received by Robarts Library. It was written by Michael Mott called The Seven Mountains of Thomas Merton. It was a new biography on his life, very comprehensive. And what did it say on the dust jacket? It said it contained material previously censored by his order. So this is an example for me of how sometimes our experiences in an expanded state of consciousness, which is what happens during sleep, we sometimes get very interesting and true information in our sleep. This had been validated by my experience of finding the book. Not only that, but I I felt now that it was true that Thomas Merton, in some sense, um, was in connection with me through the dream state, knew that I was reading his books, and wanted me to know the part about his life that had been censored. And in this case, it was about the deep love that he had later in his life for a woman that he met when he had been hospitalized, a real love story. And it, it was a very human story, and it's almost like he wanted me to know that side of him existed, that there was more than just the uh, sort of uh, poster boy for the religious uh, uh, life, which is kind of how he had been portrayed, because he was such a devoted monk, um, very beautiful spiritual being. But there was a, he was a full human being, and he wanted me to know that. 
So this was profound, and I had several experiences after that that led me to believe that I really was able to be in communication with his spirit now on the other side. Um, Another interesting example was I remember sitting in meditation, and I would sometimes talk to him in my meditation. And I now understand that's probably more of a shamanic journey than anything else, but it was spontaneously done. It's not something I had any training for. But I remember a couple of times where um, in the meditation he would give me something, like one one time he gave me a rose, and it was symbolic of what we were discussing, but he gave me a rose. And I remember later that day, my mom, who had been out shopping at the grocery store, came back with this little plant of a, a potted rose bush and said, Anne, I don't know why, but I had to buy this for you. And she handed me a little rose bush on the same day that I had this meditation. A similar experience was uh, doing the same kind of conversation in meditation with him. And he showed me a butterfly. And it was symbolic of, you know, what we were talking about and what he was really teaching me about my own potential. And sure enough, later in the day, my mom came home and she brought this tiny little butterfly brooch that she had bought. And again, she said to me, I don't know why, but I had to buy you this brooch. And it was uh, it was a butterfly brooch. So what are the chances? My mother did come home with little gifts for me all the time. This was very meaningful and, of course, uh, very confirming of my my experiences. So I'm going to pause again for uh, another break, and when we come back, I want to take a look a little bit more of our about our journey and our remembrance of who we really are as spiritual beings. So this is Anne Gelsheimer, and you're listening to Conscious Evolution Radio. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. Could you be the next legendary leader? That question hinges on your courage and willingness to change. Join Maria Danley every week for Legendary Leaders, answering the higher calling. Be inspired by stories and legend and listen to legendary guests along with live channeling to help you answer your higher calling and become the legendary leader you are destined to be. The world is waiting for you. Step up and join the wave. Tune in every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Ask Theo Live, channels to a new reality. Following her near-death experience, world-renowned author and spiritual medium Sheila Gillette became the direct voice channel for Theo, a consortium of 12 archangels. Through this unique channel, Sheila and co-host Marcus Gillette present you with an opportunity to speak directly with Theo live on air on any topic you wish to discuss, including receiving authentic messages from deceased loved ones and angelic guides. Get the answer you need by tuning in to Ask Theo Live. 
channels to a new reality. Tuesday at 12 noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on 7th Wave Network. The Voice America 7th Wave Channel. tuned in to Conscious Evolution Radio, and we love to hear from you. Please send any questions or comments about the show via email to ConsciousEvolutionRadio at gmail.com. Again, that's ConsciousEvolutionRadio at gmail.com. Now, back to this week's program. And welcome back to Conscious Evolution Radio. This is Ann Gelsheimer. And I've been talking about our spiritual journey, um, spirituality, and I've been sharing some of my own personal experiences, which I've never done before on the radio, so you are the first to be hearing these. But I have often shared them in talks and uh, workshops that I've given, because I feel they're very important uh, for each of us to be able to own our own profound spiritual experiences and not dismiss them as crazy or too weird, but really to allow them to show us the greater reality that we're a part of. So what I want to do in this final segment of the program is talk about spirituality as our journey home. And by that I mean that spirituality and our spiritual path can actually be a journey of remembrance and discovery of the greater essence of who we are. So as spiritual beings, it seems like we've forgotten where we've come from or why we're even here in physical form for a short time. And so as we travel through life, we're actually trying to piece it together and remember who is it that we are and why in the world are we here? And those are very profound questions. Other questions include, is there a God? Does God? If there is a God, does God care about me? Why should I care about if there is a God? And why do we die? Which, of course, was one of my questions. Why do we die and what happens after death? And what is our relationship to all other living things? And then if we've had an unusual experience, maybe it was an experience of someone that we love who visited us in the middle of the night and we didn't understand it until we heard the next day that they actually had passed away. And that was probably a a goodbye experience just before they, they left this realm. And we have experiences like that that... Sometimes we're afraid to share, we're afraid to own, because somebody might think that we're crazy. But I don't think that we're crazy. I actually think there's a lot of evidence, uh, both uh, research-based and personally based, that would suggest that we're actually getting a taste of who we are on a higher level, or, or beyond this more limited physical realm. So... Religion has taught us, um, all, all the different religions teach us, that we are much more than what we perceive ourselves to be as physical beings with five senses. So, you know, all the different major traditions talk about us having souls or uh, mind or consciousness that exceeds the physical experience that we're having right now. And so... Each of those religious traditions are actually based on the spiritual experiences of a founder. Okay, the founder might be uh, Jesus Christ 
or uh, Buddha or uh, the prophet Muhammad or the experiences of Moses. But each of those uh, beings, if you take a look back, these were uh, beings in physical form who had profound spiritual experiences that by you know, conventions today in the West would be considered bizarre <laughs> by many materialistic, sort of reductionistic thinkers. But these are the people who have inspired, you know, billions of people throughout time in on their spiritual paths by sharing their own experiences. So, you know, Jesus Christ is known for having the experience of the transfiguration, where um, after he had a, he appeared to his disciples as being this incredible light being, you know, just radiant with light and so pure. Um, he was experienced as having risen from the dead and appeared back to his disciples after he died, which, you know, completely changed how we view uh, death and the, the permanency of death. Uh, Gautama Buddha had profound spiritual experiences that were shared in that tradition, and he was known to have um, had experiences that were far beyond the normal uh, kinds of experiences that the average person had. He was known for having cities. These are spiritual abilities to, um, you know, to be in more than one place at a time, to experience higher states of consciousness, to be telepathic, you know, read the minds of his followers, all kinds of things. And those cities or spiritual uh, expanded states of consciousness are also known to have occurred to other spiritual beings of other major traditions. And sometimes we, we dismiss those things as not being possible. But how many of you have had an experience where you were thinking about somebody that you hadn't seen in years, and suddenly that person calls you or emails you? Well, that's a little bit of an experience of telepathy or some kind of um, beyond the five sensory communication of information back and forth so that the two of you, you know, are aware somehow that it's time to connect and you actually do that for whatever reason. So my point here is that this, the founders of spiritual traditions have had unusual and very uh, expanded states of consciousness that they then describe to their disciples, their followers, uh, to people who are interested. And then those experiences are written up and uh, their explanations and teachings are offered for how we could also become like Christ, like Buddha, you know, like the, the different, um, you know, sages and the other different traditions. And sometimes when we hear the teachings, we, we think, well, I could never be like that. That was just the founder, or that was just, for instance, Jesus Christ's experiences. But even if you read the Gospels, you know, Jesus says to his disciples, you will do what I've done and even more. So he's not saying, you know, according to the founder of the Christian tradition, he's not saying you're limited. He's actually saying you're a spiritual being like me, and there's so much more that you can experience as well. So the way I've come to view the different traditions is as 
maps of the spiritual path. They're unique maps. Each one is a little bit different, uh, but there's commonalities. And I know the Dalai Lama is very famous for speaking about the commonalities across religious traditions. The 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 kind the importance of kindness, the importance of of love for your neighbor. That that's a universal teaching. Do unto others as you do unto yourself, or you would have done unto you. These these are teachings that are present in all the different traditions in one form or another. And so if we look at it that way, there are many different maps uh, or many different paths to spiritual awakening. And that is very helpful to know. You might have started, uh, perhaps uh, born into one religious tradition, and then found yourself, for whatever reason, not fitting very well in that tradition. And it might just be the way the teachings were presented to you by somebody in, you know, in charge at that particular time. I can remember um, I, for a while, for many years actually, I was a devoted Catholic, loved the Mass, loved going every day, um, loved the devotional aspect of Catholicism. But I had such a love of animals and the natural world that I remember uh, talking to our youth pastor um, and saying to him, do animals have souls? Like this was very important to me. I needed to know that the Catholic Church acknowledged that animals had souls. And he said, no, animals don't have souls. And I was very distressed because I thought when I go to heaven, assuming that I would go to heaven, I wanted to see animals there. That I wanted to know that they also would be in this very good place that we call heaven. So I said that to him. And he said to me, well, somewhat, condescendingly. He said, Anne, if you want to see animals in heaven, you'll see animals in heaven. But that really wasn't the point. The point to me was, did the church recognize the the spiritual essence within animals as, as much as it recognized within human beings? So his answer was dissatisfactory. And I'm not blaming the church because I do think many Catholics actually would acknowledge the, the divine essence within animals and within the whole natural world. But at that time, it wasn't really uh, recognized, and that set me on a search. So I landed up looking into Buddhism, where every form of conscious life is considered to have divine or Buddha nature, the, the, the potential for enlightenment. And I kept searching you know, across all the different traditions, learning what I could. That was my experience, but you might have had another experience within a tradition that maybe wasn't entirely satisfactory and then pushed you out of that tradition to look somewhere else. I think this is healthy. <laughs> I think it's healthy even if we stay within one tradition and continue to listen and learn from many different traditions. But for some people, religious traditions don't necessarily touch their heart or speak to what they're focused on at that particular time. For some people, spirituality involves art, uh, music, beauty, any kind of aesthetic appreciation. For some, it's nature or the importance of animals or they really connect with their spiritual essence while they're gardening or they're uh, looking at the environment and working on ecological issues. For some, they experience uh, an expanded state of consciousness through sexuality and through relationships. 
For others, like our, some of the quantum physicists that I, I talked about earlier, their scientific exploration and the discoveries that they make actually shifted their perspective until they started to have a lot more in common with mystics than they did with some other scientists. So what I've suggested as, uh, as a truth in, in this episode is that we are all spiritual beings and that spirituality is actually the discovery of who and what we are while we're in this temporary physical form. And there are many paths to that discovery. You might find yourself within a religious path that works extremely well for you and allows you to continue to grow and expand your understanding of who you are as a spiritual being. You might have started in one religious tradition and crossed to another and found it very helpful to listen to the different kinds of teachings and what they have to say about who we are, why we're here, and what we're capable of as spiritual beings. Or perhaps you've uh, found your spiritual path in a non-religious area. Maybe you found it through uh, your own sort of nature mysticism, experiences within nature. Or maybe through uh, training as a shaman. I love the shamanic path. And for anybody on that path, there are direct experiences that you have with um, all forms of life, with trees and animals and um, beings that are beyond the physical that expand uh, the worldview. I know for me that's true. It gave me a feeling that life was so much more than what our five senses tell us. There are actually worlds and worlds beyond that that we can explore using our consciousness. So if anything that I've said has intrigued you, I'd like to encourage you to look back through your life at the evidence that you may have discounted before, the evidence that you are more than what you have experienced through your five senses. It may have been an experience of just knowing that someone you loved was in trouble when they were actually having a difficult time. But you didn't know through someone picking up the phone, you just felt it, and then later it was validated. Or it might have been a dream that you had that was telling you what was about to happen, and in fact it actually did. Or maybe your children are reporting this to you. Many young children have interesting experiences, remembering past lives, or out-of-body experiences, or seeing uh, relatives who are deceased who are still uh, visiting and taking care of the family, and they will tell you about it. Uh, but if they learn that they're not supposed to have those experiences, they can quickly shut them down, and, and you might have been one of those children yourself. So I do encourage you to look for the signs that we are spiritual beings having a human existence. And as spiritual beings, there's a unlimited capacity to know and experience beyond even the physical world. So I hope you found this interesting and thought-provoking. And if any of you uh, would like a little bit of coaching around this or a little bit of support, that is something that I can do uh, for you at a distance. Just uh, be in touch, uh, consciousevolutionradio at gmail.com. 
and um, that's something that's a service that I do offer, uh, probably using Skype. Uh, that's a really easy and convenient way to do it. So if that would be helpful to you. But by all means, uh, please continue your own exploration. Know yourself as a spiritual being. Know your own capacity to be a mystic, to have direct experience of the divine and of higher states of consciousness. And enjoy the magic that that brings back into life, the awakening that that involves. And it's tremendously exciting. Uh, it's, I spend most of my life practicing psychology and working with people who have a very difficult time. And this is, this is the piece that often helps people get through the hardest experiences are the awakening experiences that are the gift, sometimes within the challenges. So this is Anne Gelsheimer, and you've been listening to Conscious Evolution Radio. I hope you've enjoyed the program. Thank you again for tuning in to Conscious Evolution Radio. Please join Ann Gelsheimer for another great show next Friday at 5 p.m. Pacific Time and 8 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. We hope to see you next week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the 7th Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit 7thWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.